Our Father, we we come to you with great thanksgiving because you've asked us to come before the throne of grace. And we do come boldly to the throne of grace because all of our sins have been paid for. They're all taken out of the way. And there's nothing standing between us and you. So, Father, thank you that by faith we can come boldly even to your very, very heavenly throne. So we do that, Father, at this time, thanking you for all things and praising you for all that you are, all that you have accomplished through our Lord Jesus and all that you are currently doing in the world today uh, under this administration of your abundant grace. Father, I pray that uh, you would use these difficult times, very difficult for some, Father, your grace is sufficient in in every circumstance of life. And may we come to know that and to know your presence, your intimate presence, your care and your love. Uh, <clears throat> Father, thank you that as we gather here today, we gather in the light of your word and our hope is not on, in the earthly realm. Uh, certainly, it's secured through heavenly promises. But we do live here, Father, and there are many concerns that are on our hearts. And uh, though our confidence in you is eternal and far beyond the things of this world, our minds still wander, Father, and are focused on things of this earth. So, Father, there are so many concerns. Um, first of all, Father, regarding this uh, invisible threat, that um, many have been so close to, some intimately clo close to, those healthcare providers uh, who work in that area, Father, who are close to the virus uh, uh, in their very work. Father, I just pray for all of those that you'd protect them. Thank you for blessing by providing protective equipment uh, that wasn't known and to be available, and yet it was, uh, and one has supplied it for another, and there's been sharing. Father, thank you for that. What a blessing to protect those on the front lines there of this battle. And I pray, Father, there would be far more available as these days proceed, now that there's much more manufacturing in this country being done. Father, I, I pray for our president and those that serve with him, not only guiding in the mitigation uh, process, but also now as we proceed to the next phases. And we do pray, Father, they will be uh, advanced soon. The next phases would be to recover from what has occurred and to do so safely and yet see uh, so many with great needs, finding their needs met, because as the country returns to normalcy, uh, one step at a time, Father, uh, and with your safekeeping, we pray that many will find their needs met again. So, Father, we just pray for uh, all, all of them. And uh, I'm thinking, Father, especially of uh, though of those that are on the front lines there, that will continue and uh, will continue for some time. So as the rest of us might be living somewhat 
apart from the threat. Uh, some are not apart from it at all. But Father, there are very positive signs. We're thankful to hear uh, how it's developing in Europe, especially there in Denmark, and uh, with firsthand information. But Father, there's a larger story uh, taking place, and that has to do with uh, spiritual warfare in the heavenlies and how that's reflected on the earth, nation against nation, Satan's lies multiplying, as always, not only spiritually, but uh, in the world itself regarding uh, people's beliefs and their their uh, political views and their understanding of what's really happening in the world. Father, there's so much confusion, so many lies, as we've heard concerning uh, those in China and who are willing to believe Satan's lies as they're reflected there and their leaders. And Oh, my Father, this is just overwhelming to us. But Father, your light is bright. For those that have opened their hearts and seen your truth revealed so clearly. So, Father, I, I just... Uh, I just pray, Father, that uh, you would uh, guide and direct us now as we open your precious word of truth. And as we do so, Father, that, uh, that we be blessed greatly. We would ask this in Christ's name and amen. All right, let's uh, continue our study. Uh, we've taken a, uh, an intermission from our previous uh, studies there in Paul's letter, the first letter to the Philippians, I mean, sorry, <laughs> uh, his first letter to the to the Thessalonians. Taking a break from that, Resurrection Sunday came along, and uh, it was an appropriate time to uh, take a, an intermission from those other studies, and we've considered uh, what we all know well, of course, so well, which is uh, what's written in the gospel accounts concerning Christ being offered up by his own people to the Romans for for a trial and then crucifixion, his death on the cross, his burial, and then in three days, his glorious resurrection. So we all are so well aware of that. Uh, but we live today in the light of his resurrection, and it's true for you as it is for me that we often are reminded by the Lord of that. Our lives are lived uh, in the realm of resurrection. Uh, Christ's resurrection is our reality, right? We possess his very life. It is resurrection life where we dwell as believers today. And uh, therefore, it might be a little difficult we go back and read of the accounts there in the Gospels to see how much unbelief there was, how much ignorance, even blindness were on the hearts of those that loved the Lord so very, very much. And we think of the, the women, a number of women who rose very early uh, that Sunday morning and went to the tomb, but they, they didn't go in belief. They went in unbelief. And when there was evidence 
either through uh, the stone that was rolled away, uh, evidence provided by the two angels, or even the Lord himself as he spoke there to Mary. Um, even though they had evidence, they still found it just impossible to believe that the Lord Jesus Christ had truly risen from the dead. And uh, that ignorance and that blindness is something we considered recently. I think it's important to consider it. Uh, one reason is it's difficult for us to comprehend it, but uh, I think it's uh, important to consider it because there's, there's hidden truth always. I mean, when we come to scripture and we are missing something somewhere, uh, that's because we don't understand the rest of the story, okay? Now, for example, we may not comprehend at all why there was so much blindness on their hearts. It's easy for us to respond to those scriptures and say, well, they were just people that hadn't dedicated or given themselves over properly to the Lord, and yet they'd given up everything for Christ, right? Think of Peter, for example. Think of Peter. Think of Thomas, right? They'd given up everything, right? And yet they were still in unbelief in so many obvious ways. Uh, why is the question? Why was there blindness on their hearts? And there is an answer to these questions in Scripture. Uh, many years later, Paul wrote these words in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 20. He said, um, <clears throat> He has risen and become the first fruits of them that slept. And that was at the very heart of Paul's uh, message to the churches, right? It was a resurrection faith. There was no longer need for blindness at all regarding any of these things. That time had passed. So what had changed that made all the difference is the question. Uh, many would say what changed was simply the resurrection itself, right? As if somehow that changed everything. Well, it didn't change quite everything because God still had a program. He still had a plan that needed to be carried out and would be carried out. And so today I want us to look at some of that. Uh, sort of the rest of the story will be our focus. But to begin with, let's just uh, look at it this way. Um, consider what had been revealed. Remember, I asked the question, what did they know? Or rather, should they have known? You know, they were in ignorance and blindness. But what sh did they know or should they have known? And uh, that, in other words, what did prophecy reveal? Clearly, they were not receiving prophecy well, or they would have known exactly what was happening because it had all been prophesied, right? But what had prophecy revealed? So that's what they should have known or, or could have known. But then the second thing that we'll look at is what they could never have known because it never had been revealed. And that's what Paul reveals in his letters. So one is the Revelation of God according to prophecy. The other is the revelation of God according to the mystery. Okay, so first of all, what they knew or should have known 
according to prophecy. Well, of course, <laughs> prophecy is all about uh, the coming of uh, Israel's Messiah, right? And the redemption that had been planned even and revealed even from the foundation of the world. Uh, we read of some of that last time. I'd like us to start out with Luke 24 today. I <clears throat> I find Luke 24 one of the most what powerful, revealing, just challenging in the sense that it's so overwhelmingly powerful and revealing sections of scripture. Luke chapter 24. Um, so, um, <laughs> the, uh, the words are found here. I won't, we, we can't read the whole chapter. It's much too long. I wish we could. But Linda, would you uh, read there from uh, chapter 24 verses six through 11. He is not here, but remember how he spake unto you when he was in Galilee, saying, the son of man must be delivered unto the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and on the third day rise again. And they remembered his words and returned from the sepulchre and told all, all these things unto the 11 and to all the rest. Then it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and the other women that were with them, which told these things unto the apostles. And the words seemed them all as idle tales, and they believed them not. Thank you, Linda. Okay, so these are words that the angels speak to women. Okay, <clears throat> the angels uh, are speaking these words and really basically telling them what they should have known, right? Remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee. In other words, their memories had been blanked out. They couldn't remember. <laughs> I mean, you may not have ever stopped to think about this, that all of a sudden, these who should have known so much and should have known so well couldn't remember. But he says, remember. Maybe they remembered a little, but their focus was elsewhere, right? Remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified. Well, that part they knew well enough, right? But then he says, And the third day rise again. Verse 8, And they remembered his words. Okay, now they've got it. So these women run off and they tell the rest, right? But according to verse 10, when they told these things to the apostles, verse 11, their words seemed to them as idle tales, and they believed them not. My, the uh, darkness, the blindness that was on their hearts was just impenetrable, it seems. Okay, why? Well, uh, you answered the question for yourself. Why were they still blinded? Hmm. Okay, now I'm going to just quickly read some more verses from chapter 24, beginning in verse 18. Later, later there's a road to, uh, to Damascus, and uh, on that road, I mean, sorry, not Damascus, Emmaus, Emmaus, 
the road to Emmaus. And on that road are two disciples traveling, right? And the Lord Jesus draws up beside them. And they begin this conversation. Verse 18. And the one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answering, said unto him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem, and hast not known the things which are come to pass there in these days? And he said unto them, What things? And they said unto him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people, and, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. But we trusted that it had been he. Notice the past tense. We trusted. <laughs> we really did believe that it had been he which would have redeemed Israel. And beside all this, today is the third day since these things were done. In other words, much time has passed, much too long for a resuscitation or something else to have occurred, right? Yea, and certain women also of our company made us astonished, which were early at the sepulcher. And when they found not his body, they came, saying that they had also seen a vision of angels, which said that he was alive. And certain of them which were with us went to the sepulcher and found it even so as the women had said, but him they saw not. Now, these are the words I wanted to emphasize. Then he said unto them, O fools, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. What things do you think he expounded? The prophecies God had given concerning Messiah, how he would come, who he would be, how he would suffer and die, and then be raised again the third day. And then after all of that, fulfill the rest of the promises, right? Those promises had to do with the coming kingdom, Israel's uh, deliverance from the Gentiles, uh, the liberty of the elect of Israel uh, ruling the world and so forth with Christ on his throne for a thousand years, right? And all of that. Okay, but... These were blinded. They did not know. They were slow of heart to believe, it says here, all that the prophets had spoken. They believed some of it, but not all of it, right? Now, these are harsh words, oh fools. I mean, that the Lord, meek and mild, such as he generally was or often was, would be so harsh is hard for us to comprehend today. But he does say it, doesn't he? Oh, fools. Hmm. I wonder about us today. Are we fools too? Well, we are if we have not believed all that has been revealed, right? So if we want to just quickly summarize all that they should have known, in other words, all that prophecy had 
revealed, what would that include? Well, we looked at it before, but just a quick, quick overview. First of all, it was about the seed of the woman. Remember the, the whole revelation of God from the earliest days there uh, was about the seed of the woman. Genesis chapter 3.15. It shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. Okay. So speaking of Satan and how Satan would have uh, power over the Savior over the over the Israel's uh, Messiah, right? But not as great as the power that he would have over Satan, right? <laughs> so only the heel of, of the Messiah would be bruised, but the head itself of uh, of Satan. So hidden in that, hidden in that, in those few words. We see the uh, death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, right? So that's regarding the seed of the woman uh, revealed from the beginning up until the end. Even in the book of Revelation, uh, these things are amplified upon greatly, right? And throughout the uh, prophetic word where you see this this uh, crimson thread, as it were, uh, going through the entire book, right? Then there are the types uh, which amplify the suffering part of the story and uh, you know what that uh, all meant in terms of Israel's uh, prophetic history. Israel's Messiah would be prophet, priest, and king. That was uh, foretold in so many ways. And therefore, resurrection had to follow his death, right? There was no... No possibility that he would be kept in the tomb uh, as others down through history had been, right? And that was made very clear in Psalm 16:10, uh, where it says, "Thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, or really Hades; neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption." So Sheol and Hades, the Hebrew word, the Greek word. Uh, refers to um, the place of the dead, right? And thou wilt not leave my soul, but there, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. So three days would be the limit there, and three days he was gloriously raised from the dead. Um, now, this uh, revelation concerning the suffering servant is a major theme, but not everywhere. In fact, it's not a common theme in the Old Testament uh, prophets, although there is a major, major reference to it in the book of Isaiah. I'd like uh, Kristen to read that for us in the book of Isaiah, where we read of the suffering servant in chapter 53, verses 3 through 6. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. 
All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Stephen. Okay, so <clears throat> the prophet Isaiah was given great understanding of what was at the very heart of the message of redemption. Uh, this was a message that was about many things, but at the central uh, essence of that whole message was the death of Christ, as it says here. So Isaiah very boldly here uh, writes of that, uh, that Messiah, though he would come and rule as a king, having defeated all of his enemies, uh, he would nevertheless, first of all, need to suffer as a, a willing servant of the Lord God's plan uh, for him and for sin, because if there were no proper sacrifice for sin, there could be no full redemption, right? So uh, that's revealed here, but there aren't a lot of places in, in the Old Testament we see anything of this sort here uh, revealed. There's more in a few other places, <clears throat> such as in uh, in the prophet uh, Zechariah, <clears throat> okay? So there is, there is uh, quite an incredible revelation here, but it's uh, not the majority of what we see in the Old Testament, for sure. Most of that was about uh, the judgment that would come upon this earth and upon Israel's enemies. And even Israel itself, as they suffered uh, the consequences of the rebellion in great, great ways down through time. And looking forward, even in the tribulation period, the time of Jacob's great, great trouble, right? Now, that's the major theme of Old Testament prophecy. Okay, but when you get to the end of the book of Revelation, you see these amazing words here in chapter 13, verse 8. All that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life. He's talking here about Antichrist. All that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. So from the beginning, from the foundation, this revelation of the Lamb slain was uh, was right at the center uh, of that crimson thread, right? But only when we get to scriptures like in Isaiah 53 do you see all of the dimensions of that revealed. Now, prophecy is what was revealed from the foundation of the world. And I want to make a distinction between that and the, the mystery or, or secret revelation given to Paul. The one is from the foundation of the world, but not before the foundation of the world. From is different from before, okay? Before the foundation of the world, there wasn't even any creation, okay? What could have been revealed before that? Well, something was which we're going to be uh, learning about today. And it's most important to us believers today living under grace. Okay, so there's that difference. Prophecy is about God's plan of redemption from the foundation of the world. The mystery revelation is God's plan of redemption revealed even before 
and foundation of the world. They're about different, different subjects indeed, okay? And the blessings that would flow uh, through that. Okay, so when we look back though at, at, at uh, sacred history and at Christ himself, who was right in the part of that, uh, you know, Christ revealed himself that he would suffer, die, and be raised again. And uh, especially in Mark, if you just look at three chapters in Mark, Mark 8, Mark 9, Mark 10, <clears throat> and they're in the 30 verses, Mark 8, 31, Mark 9, 31, and Mark 10, 31, 32, 33, 34. You see Christ revealing that he would suffer, he would die, and be raised again. So there's no question that he revealed this, but he revealed it at a specific time in his earthly ministry, not before, right? Okay. He also said he had a baptism to be baptized with in Luke 12:50. That was, uh, of course, his coming death uh, that he had been sent into this world uh, to accomplish, right? Uh, dying for the sins of the world, right? That was at the very center of the plan. Then he also revealed how his temple, the temple of his body, right, his his physical body, this temple would be destroyed, but in three days raised again, right? John chapter 2. So Christ revealed it himself, and then we saw the development of that, and uh, we looked just at the end of that a moment ago, how it all ended up. But before that glorious morning uh, when the women came to the tomb and then some of the disciples and apostles uh, Christ actually had accomplished on the cross what he had been set forth to do and his final words were you'll never forget them right it is finished John chapter 19 verse 30 It was darkness at noon when he uttered those words, and then he gave up of his spirit, okay? Um, What was finished? His sacrifice, right? Was finished once and for all. And then at the appointed time, he was gloriously raised from the dead, okay? Now, what did that resurrection signify? It signified that God had accepted his sacrifice. In other words, all that Christ himself had prophesied had come to be true. I mean, if he had lied, (laughs) he wouldn't have been resurrected from the dead because he would have had his own sins on his own account, but he didn't. All of the sins Christ died for were ours. None of them were his. And so the resurrection certified that truly he was the son of God and had accomplished the purpose uh, God had sent him for. So with all of that, how could these women and these apostles have been blinded and in unbelief, right? Hmm. Well, let's uh, read that again. Luke 24. So Lydia, if you're there, I'd like you to read Lydia. <laughs> I'd like you to read Luke chapter 24, verses 10 and 11. Luke 
It was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and the Mary of mother of James and the other women that were with them, which told these things unto the apostles, and their words seemed to them as an idle tales, and they believed them not. Thank you, Lydia. Thank you so much. Their words seemed to them as idle tales, and they believed them not. <clears throat> so, unless the blindness is removed by God, no one can see. No one can know, right? The words may be written on the page. They may be written on hundreds of pages. The Lord may have even been there in their midst. He may have worked miracle upon miracle upon miracle. He may have communicated to them most intimately and in, in, in really profound ways, right? And yet, if there's still blindness in the hearts, they cannot believe. And that's what we see there. At that time, there was still blindness in their hearts. Now, that blindness was surely removed. We know later Peter went forth and proclaimed with great power, right, concerning the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he and John wrote letters, right, uh, revealing uh, their total confidence that Christ was indeed risen and that it was a risen Savior that they then served, right? Uh, but at this time, the blindness was still on their hearts. But, you know, by God's grace and enabling power, that blindness was removed, and even more revelation was given later when finally Paul, who said he was born out of due time, saw the risen Christ himself. So he became a testimony of the Lord and his resurrection, but far more than that, he became the vehicle whereby God revealed the, the redemptive plan of God that was given even before the foundation of the world. And that's what Paul writes of here when we open the scripture in his letter, his first letter to the Corinthians, and that's where I want to go now. Uh, <clears throat> so, and uh, the subject is what they, they back then could never have known. What they could have known is what's written in prophecy. What they could never have known is what had never yet been revealed, but was revealed later through Paul. Okay, so 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 7 through 10. Uh, Anne, please read that. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of, of this world knew. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have, have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit, for the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. Okay, thank you, Anne. Now, that's just quite an amazing thing. We read it last time and uh, thought about it a bit. Um, <clears throat> I hope you've uh, thought more about it in the last week. But he says here, certain things uh, were not known, right? Um, and if they had been known, 
And he says, the princes of this world would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Why, you might ask, would they not have? The answer is implied very clearly. And the reason is that uh, God hath prepared great things for those that love him through Christ's death and finally his resurrection, right? And the princes of this world, they are the instruments of Satan. They would not have crucified the Lord if they had known this hidden plan of redemption. It had never been revealed that the Gentiles would come to know Christ apart from Israel. That's what this is all about. And now 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 30 and 31. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God has made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. Sorry, I got the reference wrong there. Of him are ye in Christ Jesus. Now, in in the verse that uh, verses that Anne read, said God hath revealed these wonderful blessings unto us by His Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. Okay, and now this is about those deep things of God that God has uh, now prepared for us. Right? He says, "Of Him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God." is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according as written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. Okay, so from before the foundation of the world, there was a plan that included us before the foundation of the world. Praise God. The plan that was from after the foundation of the world was for Israel, and ultimately the Gentiles would be saved through the nation of Israel, right? In the kingdom, right? The plan from before the foundation of the world was all about the body of Christ. And that had never been revealed before till Paul revealed it. Ephesians chapter four, or sorry, Ephesians chapter one, verse four says something about this. According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love having predestinated us before we were chosen in him, even before the foundation of the world. Think about that. Isn't that an amazing thing, right? Then in Colossians chapter 3, um, the great blessings, uh, we, we call these positional truths, but in Colossians chapter 3 it says, if ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth, for you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. Hid with Christ in God. When Christ who is our life shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Then there's more about this. Second Timothy. Second Timothy, chapter 1, verses 8 through 10. 
Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. This is all about the plan of grace and the holy calling whereby God even knew us to be in Christ Jesus even before the world began. That's even before there was any creation of the universe, before the creation of the angels of Satan, before the creation of Adam and Eve and so forth. Even before the world began, before the foundation of the world, we were called according to his grace. And then he says, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And then the last verse I want to look at there in Titus chapter 2, <clears throat> verse 2 of chapter 1, Titus 1, 2. In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. Which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. Well, who heard the promise? This is between the members of the Trinity, okay? In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. <laughs> oh, my. So our redemptive plan goes all the way back there. And it includes even eternal life now as a present possession, right? Oh, my. Romans 6.21, As sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life. By Jesus Christ our Lord, Romans 6, 21. Ah, we have a new nature. We possess the Holy Spirit. Those other believers never did. We do. We possess the Holy Spirit. He dwells within us. And we have the very resurrection life of Christ as a present possession. Well, there's much more we've already spent in past uh, weeks here. Uh, in our studies, uh, much time on our privilege, for example, of suffering with our blessed Lord. You know, remember what Paul writes about that. We which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death worketh in us, but life in you. So what has Christ's death and resurrection accomplished? Far more than what the prophets revealed, far more than what had been revealed from the foundation of the world. There's so much more revealed through Paul that's all about what was promised even before the foundation of the world. Our whole salvation is wrapped up in that promise. That's what Paul is writing about when he says, 
if the princes of this world had known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. So praise the Lord for his unsearchable riches. I'm going to read four verses from Romans chapter 11, where Paul kind of runs out of words. He tries hard, the spirit of God guiding and directing, but he kind of runs out of words, human words, uh, uh, to wrap around this great thought. But in Romans 11, 33 through 36, concerning this great revelation of what was promised even before the foundation of the world. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, or who hath been his counselor, or who hath first given to him, and it shall be recompensed unto him again. For of him, and through him, and to him are all things, to whom be glory forever. Amen. So, praise be to God for his unsearchable riches. Well, I pray and hope that uh, the word rightly divided has been a blessing to your hearts. Uh, what has God prepared for them that love him? Well, we're all learning about that as we open his word daily and as we take it to heart. And the blindness God removes concerning who he is, who our Savior is, and what he is doing today under grace. It's not all about Israel today, but it is all about the church the body of Christ. We are in the very center of God's will and purpose and work today. Amen and amen. Well, any comments, uh, any questions before we close today? You, you may have said this, but I'm going to re-express it. If the princes had known, they wouldn't have done it because that would have been, they would have known that that was fulfilling the, that they the promises of God, and and they want no part of of cooperating with God. That's True. why they, you know. All right, never mind. That's enough. I thank you also for your delivery today. That's true, Tom. I, I was just expressing the other side of the same coin. Those truths were about what God had prepared for His people. Surely they didn't want that to be accomplished, right? <laughs> um, uh, yeah, you're right. Uh, they want to oppose <clears throat> the promise of God uh, in every way. Uh, absolutely. If they could succeed, they would have won the battle, right? <laughs> you're right about that one. Thank you, Tom. Okay, any other comments before we uh, close in prayer today? Uh, Tom, would you like to close us in prayer today? Uh, Father God, um, you are wonderful beyond description. Um, words fail me, Father, but uh, to summarize, we choose to adore you. We choose to worship you only. We choose to magnify the name of your son, Jesus. Father, we thank you for the presence of your Holy Spirit 
among us, teaching us, guiding us, giving us great gifts. Father, we thank you for blessing our brother Jim with the gift of teaching and wisdom. Father, we thank you for this new day. We thank you for how you're working to uh, combat the devastation of this virus. Father, we plead for the continuation of your loving kindness, especially on Roy and those that are suffering and dying. I guess that includes us all. Thank you, Father, for our missionaries, but we pray for a hedge of protection on uh, them and public servants and the medical people that are so involved. We thank you, Father, for the protection for our servicemen and women. Father, we ask that everything we might do today would be in accordance to your will, that we might be good ambassadors of your kingdom, bright and shiny tools, well-worn in your hand. Father, pray all this with so much yet unspoken in the precious name of your son, our Lord Jesus. Amen.